Hi, friends of the pod. So before we start this week's episode, we wanted to let you know that we have swag and it's yours if you want to help us out just a tiny, tiny bit. So if you rate and write a review of the podcast, we will send you some of our groovy shit, including a Better Red Than Dead themed button and stickers. For the button, you have your choice of one that says book jerk or one that is an image of Frankenstein that says large adult son. And for the stickers, you get two and one's of the logo and the other is a heart-shaped die-cut sticker that says, I like you more than Trotsky, referencing our 1984 episode. All you need to do to get your hands on this awesome, much-anticipated swag is to send a screenshot of you posting the review to betterredpodcast at gmail.com, along with the address you'd like us to mail your thank you gift to. So let us know whether you want the book jerk button or the Frankenstein button. And thank you very much for all your support. Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead. It's a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which is Robert Louis Stevenson's 1886 novella about a fancy London doctor who invents a potion that lets him turn into a tiny psychopath. So (laughs) (laughs) sure does. Um, Tristan, why, why do we want to read this? So uh, Robert Louis Stevenson was Scottish, which I I know is a weird reason to have as as a reason for reading something, (laughs) Uh, but bear with me. Uh, He he was the fail son of an Edinburgh engineer who uh, sort of issued bougie respectability, said fuck STEM um, in favor of being a big hippie writer, which I I very much respect. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I and, and you know the Scottish thing. I'm, I'm really obsessed with 18th and 19th century Edinburgh literary culture. You know, big Sir Walter Scott fanboy here. And Stevens is one of the writers from that set that I really haven't read much of. And that seems bad because he contributed so much stuff to popular literary culture, like you know Treasure Island, Kidnapped, and of course Jekyll and Hyde, which might be his most famous. Um, although Treasure Island is pretty famous too. And this is one of the stories that everyone knows something about. Like when we hear a criminal described as a, uh, you know, a Jekyll and Hyde type, everyone has an inkling of what that might mean, even if we haven't necessarily read the actual story. Also, as a historicist, this is a story that has a huge number of connections to interesting debates and discourses, a lot of which we've talked about on this show, you know, things like fears about the city, uh, racist and classist discourses of, of eugenics, um, sexuality, but also um, emergent modern psychoanalysis. Uh, you, you don't need to know much about Freud at all to know why a lot of people have read this story as being about the id and the superego. And so it just packs a lot of historical particularity and philosophical interest into a short, fast-paced, and um, I thought pretty compelling thriller. I, too, have deeply literary, philosophical, and psychoanalytic reasons for <laughs> wanting to read this. They have to do with the fact that when I was 12 years old, I ate at the Jekyll and Hyde restaurant in New York City, and it was a <laughs> life-changing experience. It sounds amazing. Yeah. It fucking it fucking ruled. Um, we'll hear more about this later. But in spite of what the Yelp reviews may lead you to believe about it, it is absolutely phenomenal. It's fantastic. (laughs) And much like this work of literature, it's cool and spooky. And it's it's just great. It's life affirming. I'm also having – so I'd never read this before. 
because uh, oh. I thought having eaten a Jekyll and Hyde's, I knew everything I needed to know. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> and I'm pleased to have read it because it contains within it a lot of good life lessons. Mm. The first of which is that there is something deeply sinister and criminal about a person who has too many degrees. Mm-hmm. So we have our protagonist, Henry Jekyll, MD, DCL, LLD, FRS, etc. <laughs> I don't, so, yes, yeah. we sure do. So if I'm reading this correctly, I think it means he is a sailing ship, a doctor, <laughs> a dentist, a lawyer, a certified furry, and a phlebotomist. <laughs> yeah. Again, the the terror of his mountain of student debt really makes this a disturbing read. Yeah. And I want to know where he found all the time. I can only presume these are all online certificate degrees from like Jerry Falwell's Fail Sun University. <laughs> And this is also one of these books where we, what we need to know about all literature is that the narrator is always the true villain. And in this one, we have we have this fucking stuffed shirt, boring ass guy named Mister Utterson who says, and this is this is a true quote. I'm not making this up. If he be Mister Hyde, I shall be Mister Seek. Yep. <laughs> Please stop, you monster. <laughs> No, but you get it was like it's a play on words, right? Because it's like hide, oh, hide and seek. See, yeah, that's never what, mind. Yeah, it's it's clever. Right? Oh, he's a comedian. <laughs> it's not the dad joke, the king of dad jokes of No, I mean it is actually too stupid to even be a dad joke. I think. Yep, it's beyond. No, that's no. I would totally make this joke as a dad. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, as usual, like, I love a short read. This is very short. It's a total page turner, which I hadn't remembered because I don't, you know, that's long enough ago in high school that I have foggy memories. And I'm interested in Jekyll and Hyde because we have been all three of us going outside of the our fields of knowledge to do Victorian horror and gothic shit a lot. And that genre fucking slaps. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. And I am interested in Jekyll and Hyde because of the Freud shit that is here. It's every Freud greatest hits. It's the double, it's the uncanny, it's like the id, super ego, ego triangle. Um, it's the relationship between the self and his other. And that is amazing. But it's also like, you know, I love the stories about how things got adapted. There are tons and tons of adaptations of this. There's a 1920 John Barrymore movie. There's a 1941 Spencer Tracy version, which sort of surprised me because I would think that either personal boyfriend Orson Welles would have done a production of this. He didn't. Or the Vincent Price. There's no Vincent Price version. And that is astonishing to me. But there are Sincere versions, slapsticky versions, trashy versions, but no Vincent Price, and that's very sad. Also, there is a Broadway musical, <laughs> um, which seemed ill-advised, but there is one run with David Hasselhoff. <laughs> I'm not even kidding about that. And like, look, like worst casting decisions have been made in history, but that one was deeply bad. <laughs> deeply was it popular? Was it popular in Germany though? Right. Mm. Deep- 
deep, 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 <laughs> deep cut there. Back to the Norm Macdonald weekend update days. He had this bit that yeah. Germans love David Hasselhoff. <laughs> How much? I mean, because he sang on uh, during when the Berlin Wall fell. Oh, okay. So there's actually. I always thought that was just a that that was just Norm Macdonald like making kind of an absurd. <laughs> no, joke, he but... was there. Like he was physically at oh, so the destruction re- oh, okay. of the Berlin Wall. Okay, I did not know that. <laughs> it's just another one of those historical facts that you're kind of like, I made that up, right? Like right. I knew he was um, I can't. I can't wait to check out this uh, this David Hasselhoff musical. But uh, make uh, what one other uh, cultural footstone from the Jekyll and Hyde legacy is there was also a Nintendo game, the the original Nintendo system in the mid eighties that I remember as being one of the worst games I have ever played in my entire life, like virtually unplayable. That is like <laughs> that makes me sad. But now I have to find it somewhere because. I'm sure that there's a PC version that I can at least try out. Yeah, probably. And it's it, it's very, very bad. Okay, so Tristan, give us a little bit of a context for this. Again, this is I love Victorian literature because we apparently do a lot of it and no one none of us know what we're <laughs> fucking talking about. I know. Yeah. But yeah. um, you know. Go for it. Yeah, so we've kind of been doing uh, uh, which side. Although actually, no, Katie was the expert on Dracula, and, and uh, you're, she's an Americanist. So, uh, but uh, but no, yeah, I, I don't I don't actually know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to pretend what I, that I do, and this is a podcast. So also, that's what that's like. Uh, that's what being a professor is. Is like you know what I'm doing. I'm making it up. So oh, no, totally, <laughs> I, I feel like. My teaching repertoire expanded uh, tremendously when I was like, oh, no, you don't actually have to know anything about what you're teaching. Like, in fact, it's better if you don't, really. <laughs> but, yeah. but um, yeah, so, uh, I, you know, as, again, not a Victorianist, uh, and this is this is late Victorian literature. Uh, but I will do like a quick overview of some of the concepts that I find most intriguing um, and, and that I do think that it's pretty clear that Stevenson is working through. And, and a couple of these sort of like debates and discourses start well before the Victorian period. As an 18th centuryist, one of the most interesting questions this novella posed to me uh, have to do around the question of identity. Um, and I'm using that in a kind of specific way. And that is when we talk about a person as as one entity, a single entity, um, what are the features that have to be stable and coherent in order for us to be able to do that? Like a bordered person. And yes, I know that um, that yeah. sounds like an odd way to put it, but that's like it's 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 a necessary precondition of the liberal subject no it totally is and it's also like when once you get to psychoanalysis i mean that's something that like freud and lacan and and lots of people are really you know concerned with like well how does the psych how does the how does the psyche cohere around this bounded thing and and yeah so well before that moment uh, our, our old friend john locke uh this time wearing his empiricist philosopher hat rather than republican political theory um so i think Katie, i was this, gonna say that's like we know somebody who loves that shit yeah this is this is this is this is katie's territory so he has this kind of famous and goofy ass question in the essay concerning human understanding which we talked about before again it's it's one of the great empiricist works of the enlightenment so empiricism is this concept that everything you know comes from outside of you um so from your interaction with the world uh rather than any kind of like innate knowledge and that is the root of identity and so, this so is the anti-cartesian the, yes and yeah right exactly empiricism opposes rationalism which does pose that there is this sort of innate kind of knowledge of the universe within within you um that, so that, in 
So for Locke, the world jerks you off. And for Descartes, you jerk yourself off. All over the world. Yes, that's right. All over the world. In my living room. Exactly. Right? Isn't Descartes always like, I sit before the fire with my book and I have invented myself. Exactly. If I remove a rib, can I suck my own dick? (laughs) Yeah, right. I think therefore I am with my dick in my hand, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, okay, so in the essay concerning human understanding, one thing that Locke wonders is, so you're really fucking drunk, like no memory at all of the sensory input you received. So you're like blackout drunk. Um, that that knowledge of what happened during that, that time is just gone from you. Um, so can we, in a legal sense, for instance, say that you're the same person as when you're sober? Can you truly be re- held responsible for your actions when you're in such a state? And Locke is basically kind of like, eh, I don't know. Uh, he, he comes to the conclusion <laughs> that ultimately we have to take it for granted that you are. Otherwise, it just causes all kinds of problems. Right. But the situation actually is a philosophical problem for him. And I think Henry Jekyll in this story really wants the answer to that, though, to be no. Like when he's Hyde, he's not Henry Jekyll, um, or so he thinks at the at the outset and vice versa. Like he really is two separate people. So this is it is this really interesting philosophical question. Also, in the 19th century, it does become a legal question in a limited way. Uh, There was a French case where somebody like this couple strangled this guy with a stocking Mm -hmm. and the woman tried to get out of it by being like, I was hypnotized. And so hypnosis as a as a means of se- of like mitigating guilt or innocence was the thing that people like you gotta try i mean try it sure yeah no that, <laughs> right. that is I, I didn't know about that that is really interesting and of course i mean it's you know like i like being drunk and like being you know some kind of psychological disturbance are not the same thing but it's but there is like in the law right that that concept of you know the the, the insanity defense or temporary insanity that is something that a period has sort of been recognized in a way that i don't think drunkness ever has um and i think for a lot of reasons one of which is like well but it was also your decision to get drunk i think is, is whereas if you're hypnotized well maybe it wasn't right but anyway, yeah, no, but that's that's yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and the Monoton test is 1843. That's the famous insanity case where the question because he he um, killed the secretary of the prime minister. Oh, right, right, right. Because right. he thought the prime minister was conspiring against him. Yeah, and so that's the test case for like the insanity plea. Like I, <laughs> this is not unilaterally true, but like crime decisions tend to be the territory of the Brit. British, the, the Victorians, like mm-hmm. they love to make rules about killing or not killing or yeah. like knocking somebody off. No, totally, totally, and 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 I'm and I'm sure that 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 is stuff that Stevenson is thinking about as he's writing this. I like I'm, I'm positive of that, and th- yeah, and that actually brings uh, to the the second set of concerns that um that I, I'd like to think about today um, that have to do with theories of the social that's emerging in this period. And and one thing that sets uh, Henry Jekyll off on his search for this this potion that will turn him into Edward Hyde is an over concern with public opinion. And this is quoting directly from Jekyll's uh, confession that we get at the end of the story. It was thus rather the exacting nature of my aspirations than any particular degradation in my faults that made me what I was, and with an even deeper trench than in the majority of men, severed in me those provinces of good and ill which divide and compound man's dual nature. Um, which is, I, I think really kind of a strange claim that essentially it's like it's his desire to be good that causes him to be bad rather mm-hmm. than the opposite um which is not something that i've i've encountered a lot uh, elsewhere um particularly in this period 
So the idea is he creates another person. He splits himself into two people and the problem solved. Like Jekyll gets to be the distinguished public persona um, and Hyde is the private sort of hidden deviant. But that I think is itself a very enlightenment way of looking at the public private split that split that is a little out of sync with kind of late Victorian ideas. Because in, in this period, um, and these concepts have been fleshed out by lots of people like Jurgens Habermas and, and Michel Foucault, among other theorists, we have this understanding of the social that really effaces or tries to efface that public-private split. Um, and this has a lot of implications. So like the prison, as, as Foucault argues in Discipline and Punish, um, that focuses less on punishing the offense and more on taxonomizing and pathologizing the offender, um, psychoanalysis, again, you know, thinking of Foucault's account of that in History of Sexuality, which makes the innermost recesses of the psyche the subject of knowledge. Um, so in this kind of like social infrastructure, uh, Jekyll's secrets really have nowhere to go. And I would argue that the novella ends up producing um, Hyde as an object of knowledge. And then beyond that, we just have all these Victorian fears of the city as the space of social mixing and corruption, proto-Freudian discussion of the superego and id or something like that. And again, I think this takes us right back to Dracula's child braid, as Van Helsing put it. A concept that we get, um, because, you know, Hyde is like described as like so diminutive compared to like physically diminutive compared to Jekyll. Um, the idea of the criminal as a degenerate subspecies and, and Hyde sort of deformity or studdedness, I think is, is uh, uh, the symbol of that in, in, in this tale. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff here. There's this really cool thing that we'll probably we'll talk about another time, but um, Karen Haltunen wrote this book called murder most foul and it's about crime and murder and it's about America, but her categories about murders and stuff sort of hold and are relevant to this. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing she says is that early murder is is something that it's just the result of original sin. It's in us all. We are all the murderer there, but for the grace of God, go I sort of thing. Then we have murder as, as mystery. So it's this act that we have to figure out. And then we transition to this other thing, which is murder as mental alien. Hmm. Oh, and, and that's so, like the psychological inquiry moment that, yeah. that predates Freud, but then Freud becomes like Mr. Famous. Yeah. And so this is a very murderer as this is helpful as in reading this, if we think about murder as mental alien. And so like early, you know, shrinks were alienists. Right. Yeah. So like that, that's what the whole thing is like integrating and exploring the alien in yourself. But for some people, it degenerates to the point that you become like you become a mental alien. There's not like a part of you that is um, alien to yourself or or whatever else, however else you want to talk about identity. That there's this other category, right? Yeah that that is that's really that is really interesting because so like one of the things that like. One of the um, the arguments that Foucault makes about the emergence of the modern prison, right, is that before you get to the modern period, which he dates to the, like the late 18th century, uh, when you punished a criminal, you were essentially punishing the act, right? It's like the act itself had to be canceled. So, but whereas the prison is more like kind of like trying to, yeah, the prison is trying to, it's like really focused on the offender rather than the offense and is trying to like diagnose the sickness and draw that out. But so that it, it, it's interesting then that like the, the idea of original sin and like the murder within us all is part of a feature of a world that like in that narrative is like it's it's about the act and not and, and which would make sense because like if we all if we all have this sort of like innate sinful capacity then it, it doesn't make sense to talk about us as like sick in the way we talk about like a murderer like in the prison state mm -hmm. you know what i mean so yeah that, i think that's that's real that's really helpful 
And that's very like, I don't know, that sort of, I mean, in a great way, like sort of reminds us that, you know, there's always like, you know, Foucault draws broad strokes, like very broad. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's like a leakiness when we talk about the early American convention of original sin, especially because like people do need to keep executing people in public view, which is like the, what Foucault uses in the indiscipline and punishes like the old regime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before the modern one that's about like shaping subjects in the prison. Yeah, but yeah, but right, right. But that lasts for a long time. It's part of Karen Haltunen's argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, so the same thing, like, so public executions, let's say, could be in the Victorian era, if you did a public execution, it would mean something very different than if you did it in, you know, now we're talking 17th century, but like, oh, the, the witch trials right. executions, right. like that, that means yeah. something very different socially than publicly hanging someone who tried to assassinate some public, you know, yeah. like there's yeah. Yeah, different resonances right. depending and on the super different than like when we talk about in cold blood that the yeah. trial is what's the public yeah in the public sphere yeah right and that and and that and uh you know there there are like witnesses of the of the of the hanging in, in cold blood i mean we have like uh, you know and the you know our state sanctioned murder today there are, are still witnesses but hanging? that's that's different mm-hmm. that's different than um like you know in the 18th century tyburn was where they hanged everyone they would just, you know it was like it was like a big you know pu- you know how, set up a picnic you know just like bring out like a cartload of like of of convicted uh criminals and, and your kids and, and your kids yeah uh, which is very different than like that. This is like a private event, but that has to be like witnessed and recorded for some reason, right? <laughs> but, right. Mm-hmm. It it has to be made into a record. But the hanging itself is less public than the trial. Like that, that the the diagnostic of what the person is, what they did, that mm-hmm. like recording yeah. into the public record. That's what is the public territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Later yeah. in the twentieth century. Not before the prison industrial complex, but while it's emerging in its like current form of like the most naked version of capital. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so tell us what happens. <laughs> I feel like there's there's both a lot and like basically nothing. Yeah. No. I like when I started like uh, writing this up, I was like, wow, this is going to be so. You know, it's only like seventy pages. It's going to be so short and sweet. But it's like like one of the ways it works is it's there like, are useless characters in this. There movie. are useless cool. characters, and there are so many layered narratives. Right. Like there's Utterson, the lawyer, which again that is like the dumbest name. Like come on, seriously, dude. But like he, I, I think he, he couldn't think of names. He just like yeah. and he came with Utterson because he's like I see a cow out the window. Utters Utterson. <laughs> <laughs> for sure also i don't know if this is right but i heard that like originally like the pronunciation that's that stevenson wanted was jekyll not jekyll but it's well like, good right, luck yeah, dickhead because that's not how it goes yeah you no know, we do little women that t- technically we should say mommy not marmy really really and we're not doing that no we're not doing that <laughs> yeah because you say it with the new england accent so it, it, oh, comes, up, it comes up to be i got yeah. it okay I see, <laughs> but I'm not uh, doing no Stephen King accents. Yeah, on this <laughs> not, <podcast>. no. <laughs> yeah, but so there's there are all these layered narratives, uh, like different points of view, and uh, that generically this draws on something called the sensation novel, which is a genre of the criminal novel that's all about like like what do different kind of viewpoints tell you about the same sort of event? But anyway, so we open with a London lawyer, Mister Utterson, a great name again, who's creeped out that his old friend Doctor Henry Jekyll, um, Utterson's creeped out because Jekyll has entrusted him with a will that makes uh, this guy that Utterson has never met before, Edward Hyde. 
Hyde, Jekyll's heir. Jekyll, we're told, is really respectable, but Utterson worries that something is amiss and thinks Jekyll may be being blackmailed by this mysterious person. I just want to say kind of as an aside, there are implications uh, here and throughout that Utterson fears some kind of sexual impropriety, perhaps homosexuality. Uh, a lot of critics have written on that. Um, and apparently in early drafts of this, Stevenson hinted at that a lot more explicitly than he does uh, in the published novel. Um, and we can sort of talk about why that might be. But, but, but so anyway. he's afraid that he's going to go fuck himself. Yeah. He, uh, yes. Yes. Or that. Or that. Basically. Basically. That. Uh, that. That Hyde knows that. Hyde, yes. I mean. Well. That. I think that's the most interesting possibility. But that. That Hyde knows. Um, something the has been up to something. Yes. Exactly. That. That's. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I thought it was that he was fucking Hyde. Well. I mean. I think that that could potentially be it too. Right. But that there's there's just something here that is like like there there's some damaging. Ththing about Jekyll that Hyde is privy to is 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 the fear. I wish I, I, I know wish. It that would be, make it so much like, better, please. right? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, so he so um, Utterson is out on uh, a walk with this other guy, Richard Enfield, who you don't need. He to looked know out him. on the field. He looked out on the field. Yeah where the udders were. Um, <laughs> Utterson, <laughs> Two so, for one. Yeah. And, and Utterson uh, learns that Enfield has actually seen Hyde. Uh, in, in fact, Enfield uh, saw Hyde trample a small child who crossed his path. Which is fucking cool. <laughs> 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 that's, that's true. And, and okay. And, and so we, we learned two things about this event. One is that Hyde bribed the child's family with money from the account of an unnamed benefactor. You know, we very quickly realized that that is Jekyll. And that Hyde looks unsettling for some reason. He's He's small, uh, and his clothes don't seem to fit. And th- this is what uh, I think it's Enfield says. He is not easy to describe. There is something wrong with his appearance, something displeasing, something downright detestable. I never saw a man I so disliked, and yet I scarce know why. He must be deformed somewhere. He gives a strong feeling of deformity, although I couldn't specify the point. He's an extraordinary looking man, and yet I can name nothing out of the way. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> he's a riddle wrapped in a mystery, yeah. ensconced in an enigma. Yeah. yeah, we just know he's small and doesn't look right, right? <laughs> but, so, but like in typical Victorian form, we all go like, what's the thing we're looking for? And it's like just some out of the ordinary, uncanny thing that we're like, well, let's just do a little phrenology. Right, exactly. It's like the unnamed is definitely Standy did for some kind of like really grossly like racialized or, or uh, yeah, or, or yeah, embodied. Or, yes, embodied kind of thing. So, okay. So at this point we meet Jekyll, uh, cause Utterson's like, what the hell dude? And he assures that Utterson is, is that he assures Utterson that nothing untoward is happening. So Jekyll at this point in the story is acting really weird and morose. Um, but then later he seems to be back to his old boring self. Like, you know, he's going to parties again and shit. There's this murder that happens. Hyde is seen beating to death a member of parliament, this elderly dude named Sir Danvers Carew. That's a Tory. Uh, <laughs> uh, definitely went to Eaton. Uh, absolutely. So, not my beautiful boy, Danvers. Uh, so Jekyll at this point gets very weird again. Uh, Utterson and Jekyll's servants, uh, he kind of shuts himself up. Utterson and Jekyll's servants end up breaking down the door of this former surgical amphitheater where Jekyll lives. And also, this is just where he had lived. This isn't like, oh, now he's weird and creepy. He had just been 
living in this yeah. former surgical amphitheater. <laughs> um, and they find oh, Hyde, who has just taken poison and, and he's dead. So then after the there's, you know, these these wrap-up chapters, um, one chapter that's written from the perspective of a Dr. Lanyon, who's a mutual friend, uh, tells us that Hyde had visited Lanyon to obtain some chemicals, and Lanyon sees Hyde take a potion and turns into Jekyll. Lanyon is so upset by this that he also dies. I mean, that which is a thing that happens. You see something unsetting and you just yeah. die. Uh, dying of truth like dying like of the truth letter, yeah. is something that happens so much in the 19th century totally. like you can't yeah, handle it yeah it, it, it it's always amazing uh what it does and then finally the last chapter is jekyll's own con- confession and and what he says is that he's sick of being this uptight prick all the time so he made a potion to split himself into two people um at first becoming hyde is a release but then hyde becomes much harder to control and ultimately, Jekyll starts turning into Hyde at random without the potion. So he like no longer has control of when this is going to happen. And he ends up needing the potion instead to turn back into Jekyll rather than the other way around. And he does this like dope Freudy thing where he frequently we- wakes up as Hyde. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, exactly. So like something in the unconscious penetrates him and then he wakes up and he's like, ah. Yeah, and, yes. And, and and the amount, the, the, the length of time that he can remain as Jekyll is getting like shorter and shorter. Uh, so he, he he runs out of this ing- ingredient that he needs for the potion, and he can't get more of it for some reason. It, Adrenochrome. Yeah, ad- ad- <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and so he, he ends up knowing that he was doomed to be Hyde forever, um, and that helps to explain the suicide, the end. Dope. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about psychoanalysis and how this book sort of um, presages it. We're going to be talking about crime and no punishment and we're going to be talking about class and bodies and the city we have this question about jekyll's confession what's this chapter called is it called like the end of his confession or something henry jekyll's full statement of the case okay jekyll the The all the chapters Yes, all of the chapters are called like the incident number one, the incident (laughs) number two, the statement from this guy, the statement from that guy. Like Robert Louis Stevenson was just tired. Yeah, which which I respect. (laughs) What is called story of the door, which is like I want to plunge into that. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing this like very dorky fake version of like. Are you reading through the case file? Don't you feel like a detective right now? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's I sure pretty, should do. It's pretty cool. So it's just like, it's to me, it's like dope that uh, Jekyll, when he gives his accounting of this great crime involving uh, like this guy that gets Charles Sumner to death, you know, like beaten with a fucking cane. Yeah. He's like, first, what I want to say is that um, I was born to a very good family. Yeah. Uh, and I had a lot of money, and I had a big old dick, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and everyone liked me, and it, and it had something to do with my big old dick, and something to do with my money, and something to do with the fact that I was really smart, Doctor Man. Yeah, and also like really, I only had this one fault, which is that I was too nice. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and indeed, the worst of my faults was a certain impatient gaiety of disposition, such as made the happiness of many, but such as I found it hard to reconcile with my imperious desire to carry my head high and wear a more than commonly grave countenance before the public. It's like, so 
I I'm just, just really funny and awesome. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's <laughs> like that's the thing. It's like I'm like too cool, but I had it's like I just because of you know my family expectations, I had to walk through life as the biggest fucking hard on in all of Britain. <laughs> yeah. And when I couldn't do because I wanted to be funny, I don't want to be a hard on all the time. It's just like that that was too much, and and so I had to 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 that set me on a dark path. And we will review <laughs> the principle of awesomeness in the 19th century, which is that he's tall. Yes, yes, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that, that is, like, yeah, that, like, that is, I think, too, like, a 21st century reader, um, like, sort of so, like, uh, because, like, um, before I had read this, I kind of figured, like, the Hyde Push is sort of, like, becoming the Incredible Hulk, right? Like, he turns it. But, but it's, oh, no, not at all. No, right. It's like, it's like yeah, Hyde's, like, this big, powerful monster. No, it's like the the, the, the criminal side is, like, small and, like, in, in, and Pissed. yes, it's like, withered. Yeah. Um, so, like, the monstrousness of it, I mean, to, to yeah, definitely scare quotes around that, but is, like, is not... Not in like the the kind of like the the eleven foot tall Frankenstein monster, like you know. But it's just like Jekyll is the photo on my Tinder where I'm well lit and I look tall, and Hyde is yeah. the guy who actually shows, shows up. up. <laughs> so I um like one thing I do think is, is sort of interesting, and that where like the class politics of this don't exactly go in the sort of like fancy Victorian uh, bougie mode that I, I might've thought at the outset is that to me, there, there is the implication that the corruption is inherent within the ruling class rather than it's the ruling class's like proximity to like the proletariat that 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 causes this um because there are a lot of victorian novels that are like really sort of into uh, the urban and as this kind of yeah as the site of corrupt that, that essentially it, it is like the poor that are like corrupting society but i actually don't think that is what the implication of this tale is right like no for I think for Stevenson, which I was really surprised about, the problem is this rich guy like tries to be too much of a fucking galaxy brain uh-huh. and he <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. like fucks everybody over because I think that the thing so so this is what I took from it. This was my little lesson here. That in fact what Jekyll is trying to do is he's making like too much hay over a problem that we just all sort of have. Like it's just part of being a fucking person is that sometimes you're at odds with yourself. Mm -hmm. And instead of turning to something outside of yourself, he's like, oh, what I'll do is I'll make more self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. I think it's like this is historically speaking what we've been talking about, which is like this is a psychological inquiry Mm -hmm. that is – necessarily embedded in a class inquiry right because like Jekyll I'm sorry when he becomes Hyde then he has to live in a gross part of the city right but it, but it, what's it, it like his house is in Soho which if my understanding is that like that so that's in like the west like the east end of London is like the poor side and the west end is the fantasy side like um Soho is like one is like an enclave within kind of the west end that is like poor oh. right so it's like right. you know what I mean so yeah so he ha- but you so like yes he has to live in this other area but it's this other area that is like geographically within the kind of like elite structure. Oh, that's great. And it's, but it's like flipped, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not that his, his other half being impoverished or whatever means that he's the bad guy. It's that like, you have to, once he becomes the bad guy as a split, be then ghettoized. Yes. Yeah. And not the other way around. Right. Like, so it's not something inherent to, um, 
poverty that makes people bad guys. It's that being ghettoized. Mm-hmm. It's that like having been bad, he has to like balkanize the murderer into this space that is like within like it has this boundary of wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Except no, then totally. he has to like frequently go to Jekyll's house and be like Oh, I don't live here, but I have a key because yeah. he asked me to take to water his plants. Right. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's going on vacation and he doesn't want his succulents to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so a historical event that happens around this, uh, actually after Stevenson wrote this, is the Jack the Ripper case. And as a matter of fact, like there was apparently a stage, this was a very popular story, um, and there was a stage version of it that was being performed. Um, and when the, the Jack the Ripper murder started happening, they took it off the stage because they were kind of afraid of like some copycat stuff happening. Yeah. But what I thought what I thought was like super interesting was that apparently originally, um, you know, when when the murder start ha- started happening, like the assumption in the press was, well, like this is obviously like some poor person that's doing this. Right. But then, like very quickly, um, as today, you know, I mean, the, the, I think that the most famous narrative is the like, oh, it might have been a royal that was like involved in this. Is that like no, like Jack the because he has like this medical knowledge and stuff that he must mm-hmm. be from like the kind of upper classes and like. Jack- well, at least the professional classes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, to, to draw that bougie, bougie uh, aristocratic distinction. Yes, the, the professional classes, or or perhaps the bourgeoisie, and and uh, and Jekyll and Hyde actually sort of seems to have given the press at the time a vocabulary for saying that that, right. that that like oh so like actually that maybe maybe like Jack the Ripper is a Jekyll type. Um, which I, I just thought that was super fascinating. Or like a, well, yeah. I mean, there's a bit of that, like, maybe there's such a thing as a smart criminal, Yeah. which obviously the papers are going to have made a huge category error if they think that can be a royal, because those people are like <laughs> dumb <laughs> as bricks. Yeah, so uh, I, I think uh, uh, Monty Python's famous sketch, uh, Upper Class Twit of the Year, I think is the, the, the best <laughs> yes. example of, of royalty you can have. Right, it's just like I beat him to death with a cane. What's the problem here? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so Tristan, you in our group text, you you said the the Jack the Ripper thing yeah. before I was finished reading, and so I was like, oh, '80s guitar solo started playing in my mind, and I was like, hell yeah, this is gonna get like re- we're gonna get up in them guts like at the end of that, right. and like just like nothing, no, just like know. he beats like a pompous ass to death with a cane. Yes. And he mows down a kid who's fucking fine. Like, yes. the kid is fine. Yes, the kid is fine. <laughs> I, th- that is such a goofy scene because it's like, oh, he trampled this kid. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to admit, like, how would that even, like, what happened? Did he, like, knock the kid down and start stamping on him? <laughs> like, I don't even. So it's just like this kid was, like, running full speed across the street. <laughs> and I think that Hyde just, like, didn't. Uh, didn't like zig and zag yeah. just dashed into him yeah or her and the hel- her, her, her yeah yeah then the fucking helicopter parents like start get a mob together and he ends up giving and them are like give me money yeah, who's give- the villain he ends up giving them a- <laughs> <laughs> he ends up giving them a hundred pounds too which is a substantial That's sum a shitload of money yeah. yeah i mean not not you shouldn't knock kids over and pay a hundred pounds for, for the privilege I'm, I'm not making that argument the <laughs> argument i'm making is just the whole speed is like described in these very goofy terms right like yes what i hear tristan saying is that we make a theme park and it's a hundred dollars to get in and you can knock it <laughs> over knock the most kids over i see you've been to disneyland <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just a like um is that what you do with the colonial 
parts of you know the like colonization fetishism parts of disneyland yeah, yeah. I, well you should <laughs> in any case right like that's what you do you just mow like down kids, little kids. yeah yeah fucking a yeah. i mean what do you want from like what, what do you want from him he was running hyde was running full tilt across the street the the little fucker could have run away too right right so true right c- c- come on now and the kid was fine tonight <laughs> may i add so, but like we have to talk about the the physical composition of Edward Hyde because this is so Victorian yeah. and and just like built on a generalized alterity that I think is like signposted by disability. Like that's yeah. that's sort of like my category yeah. that I think. Although again, it's like there's a there's a sort of like weird ethnic story here too right so it's like he kind of looks dewy mm-hmm. or sallow or something but, uh, but this is the thing right like uh, okay so this is what i want to know because i think that undoubtedly you're a hundred percent right that all of these things are things that people would have read into it mm-hmm. but none of it is there mm-hmm. like the entire right. description of hyde is like he made me feel weird Right. Describe him. He was about ugly feet tall, yeah. that ugly yeah. inches wide, yeah. with ugly hair, an ugly face, and an ugly manner of being. Yeah. Well, and I would say that there are like tiny, tiny other hints. And so, like, the butler uh, says to Utterson, My master, here he looked around him and began to whisper, is a tall, see, fine build of a man. And this was more of a dwarf. Right. So we do know that Hyde is like miniaturized. Right. Like that is the the dominant thing that we know about him. Right. Yeah. And And he hides his face, right? right. He's always doing this like ultra sketchy thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And 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 they're like and and so they're like throughout like kind of Victorian literature and Victorian um psychology, there is this like sort of like, you know, a a version of Darwinism that is that is that that goes toward eugenics, right? That it's like and 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 but I I, like what I think what Katie said is like right, that the the fact that uh, Hyde is not sort of explicitly like ethnicized or nationalized in a way that I think um, a feature of like other Gothic tales and particularly early, like the 18th century Gothic is like all about national difference and like religious difference. Right. Yeah. Good point. Whereas yeah. like with this, and, and I think, but you know, I, I, I actually don't want to make that hit like that historical of a claim of how the genre changes because I think Dracula was as well. We talked a lot about that, mm-hmm. right? Like, right. Um, that the, the corruption was coming from without. Um, I think the interesting thing here is that, the corruption is like so that 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 sort of like bad evolution, right? Like that that that, that sort of like uh, corruption oh, is like yeah. present within like the British nation and the British metropole itself. Um, so I, I don't want to say that like there are no like hints of sort of like racial or ethnic difference with Hyde, but I just think that like it's a lot less explicit about like that is the cause of the the degradation um, than some other versions of Gothic fiction might be. Well, I think that like I guess I would say that what I would tweak in what I'm saying is that it's like a generalized problem of embodiment. Yes. And so mm-hmm. it's something like I will say that what we would now call disability is like crucial to that. Yes, yes, but yes, uh, totally. because that's named as things like deformity yes. or dwarfism, right? But those stand in for a generalized bodily 
otherness. Yeah. And so like if we read that as ethnic, then that's available to us, mm-hmm. but it's much more general. I agree. And I do want to be clear that I definitely see a very kind of like troubling eugenicist or proto-eugenicist yes. line here. It's just that it's not it doesn't look quite the way it does in other versions of the Gothic is all I'm saying. Right. No, I agree with that. And I think that that's about the relationship that is beginning to be actualized, that psychology as a field is emerging as, you know, we talk about alienists and that both of you are so right in that, like, that shit takes off after Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And and a big problem of that is, like, how does your subjectivity align with your interiority and then your body? Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And so... I'm thinking as they're describing him, there's no way. David Hasselhoff. Yeah, correct. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking there's no way that Hyde actually is smaller than Jekyll. This is just what people see. It's an illusion. And then we find out the only way we know that there is some true physical change is that it's like. Big clothes. Oh, I Yes, it's like, oh, well, he was wearing parachute pants and a 3XL jean jacket and it didn't fit him. It's the opposite of the Incredible Hulk, right? So it's like he doesn't bust out of his garments. Yeah, and so, but but that was what was, so it's like, how good of a writer is, is Robert Louis Stevenson? Is that, like, because I could read this, I would like it to be that, in fact, his clothes fit. And this is all an illusion. You know what I mean? No, I totally agree. I mean, I think the answer to how good a writer is, he is like, he's a masterful plot manipulator. Mm -hmm. And at the writing level, he's clunky trash. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like, I think his plots are actually like pretty awesome. I just think it's like, this is like a plot function and its investment in in psychology is formal and not content. Yeah. Yeah. It's invested in the thing that yeah. we would have a mm-hmm. psychology, that we would be borderless in some way, or that we would be like split. Yeah. And but not that like what's a, what's a split really look like? Yeah. No, I, I agree. What does it feel like? I agree. I, I do feel like that. Mm-hmm. This is my, like it. It the the interest in this novella to me is in the concept and not in the execution. Totally. I totally agree with that. Maybe that's also- why the musical is so problematic because like. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean problematic in a in a like <laughs> political sense. I mean, like it doesn't work very well. Yeah, it's because like mon- sung monologues are really about like the depth of the person. You know, it's like those Shakespeare monologues from Julius Caesar, where you're like, all you're doing is like this deep character work, and it's like that doesn't fucking work, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like I think that I think when Stevenson came up with this idea, he was like. Go D- time. Like, slam fucking <laughs> yeah. dunk. Like yeah. touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Sport, sport, sport. Yeah. Four. <laughs> yes. Hole in one. My putt, master putt. is a tall hunk. <laughs> and this guy is a tiny, tiny just runt of a man. Yeah. Okay. Speaking also, of he that, doesn't wh- get bigger. Um, and that I feel like is actually kind of a problem. Like I okay. feel like he should get bigger. This is exactly what I want to ask yeah. both of you. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. So. We have, so we have, okay, we have Jekyll and Hyde. And and Hyde is like, Jekyll's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Real brain genius hours. I'm just going to like make the bad part of me a separate part. And the good part of me will be another part. So why then doesn't Jekyll get hotter when he makes Hyde? Yes. And like, why? Why is is it? Yeah. 
it should be like the panties go splooch right. when he gets totally. caught. You know yeah. what? That's that's what it should yeah, be. And it's Jack not. Why? Describe, he describes himself as being elderly, right? And like and and Hyde. I mean, the one way in which he the way the one thing aspect I think that might count. Uh, um, uh, cut against the kind of physical degeneracy of him is that he's young, right? Like, and, and that, mm-hmm. and so that doesn't change. So that is really, yeah, I don't know what to do with that, but I think that's really interesting. Here's my theory. Well, because he's like, he doesn't have enough evil to add up to like experience and, and big dick height. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's like but, in the goofiest possible way. It's like a quantity issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because all of his criminality is sort of like. I mean, it's bad to be a guy to death with a cane. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not like it's not like the the. It's not. He's not fucking Jack the Ripper. No, not at all. Yeah. He's not stealing off in the night to like murder people on purpose which i still find a little bit like then why are you turning him to him in the middle of the night yeah and of course the reason he's doing that is because like the unconscious arrives on him mm-hmm. but it's like i uh, my deepest darkest uh, my little my crim the criminal in me uh is doing wire fraud and writing bad <laughs> checks. yeah right. yeah and also like are we i mean i uh, how do we take it that he beats to death a member of parliament? Is the problem there that then we know the cops are going to come down on him hard? Or is it that we think that's really bad? Because I think the novella actually thinks running mowing down a kid is worse. No, I agree. I And I, I think, it, yeah, like, I mean, it, it does go out of its way to make this, like, Tory dipshit, like, sympathetic and that, like, well, he, like, he was very old and he was being so polite to Hyde. He was just, like, asking for directions and that said hide off and i'm just thinking like like what if you're on a street of london and like nigel farage comes up is like hello can you <laughs> I get to like throw a fucking milkshake on him yeah <laughs> right like what do you not, do yeah not 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 uh yeah exactly i don't kill him but no. i definitely don't want to be nice well i i'm just yes i'm not making any claims <laughs> about about violence uh here uh really but just that like you, you know what i mean it's it's like it definitely tries it, it, it feels like it needs to try to make this person sympathetic in a way that with the kid the sympathy is just in, 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 it's in innate that. to a being yes, kid exactly. oh but here's the problem with the cane beating thing right and and this is like goofball shit but um the problem with the cane beating is that there is this woman staring out the window sure. thinking ro- thinking romantical thoughts yes and it's a full moon and she sees this and she's like wrecked by yeah. it yeah. Right, it's one of so, his maids. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's part of the problem is like you can't just beat a guy to death because there's going to be fallout from it. Yeah, it's it's right, in all right. kinds of ways. Yeah, I mean, right. I think yeah, it, it's the 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 sort of like the the degeneracy has become public all of a sudden. Is the is I take it to be what the problem with that is. Um, oh, and that's a really good point, right? Is that like the thing that he one of the if we think and talk about the private and the public distinctions which are sort of like weird here because again stevenson can't be smart enough to sort of like have that thought all the way through but it's that once hyde becomes public and people know who he is Mm -hmm. even if they only know who he is in these like weirdly oblique ways Mm -hmm. right like oh i've heard of him or i saw him go into this house or he has keys or the butler knows who he is uh he emerges into the into the public Mm -hmm. and so that's when we become like you can't let your id run around Mm -hmm. because it fucks everyone else punching people in the face 
Well, here's the other thing too. Like when he mows the kid down, this is like what this is actually a pretty great line. So they all surround him and they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna fuck you up, buddy." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what? What the guy who's describing it says is, um, "All and all the time as we were pitching it in red hot." We were keeping the women off him as best we could, for they were as wild as harpies. I never saw a circle of such hateful faces, and there was the man in the middle with kind of black sneering coolness, frightened too. I could see that, but carrying it off so really like Satan. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's yeah. like these women and this guy get like get really to like they they start to merge in this way that's like Jekyll and Hyde are separated and this and the reaction to him merges you with him. Mm-hmm. So is this also like part of the drama of the city that we have been sort of like we signposted it but not getting into it, which is like the something like mob justice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I think totally. Yeah, no, because that seems like something that like the the crisis of urbanism that this book is again it's like it sort of is around the edges because it's not like an interesting enough book to get through this fully right like it's around the edges that we know that the city is like a problem Mm -hmm. in the big sense but how do we see it okay well we see it in mobs but we also see it in like where they live Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. right yeah, I think that the the sort of like problem of mob justice is is an urbanism problem. Yeah. Also just like not and I'm not saying this in the way that we understand the term now, but like social justice. Mm-hmm. Like they're saying yes. like like there's this way that they want to do like a citizen's arrest mm-hmm. of right. him, mm-hmm. you know. Um and they're like we're going to ruin your credit. We're going to fuck your reputation up and there's right. a circle of women who are who are who have become wild. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it is the sort of like the mob justice or or the socially determined model of justice. But so what does it then mean that it's like, okay, well, this is a problem solvable by money, even if we don't think that it's like right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, like I, I feel like maybe this is a moment in which the class politics of the novella are not that bad in that, right? Well, the fact that money, pay, like that essentially an implication that the rich can always just buy their way out of shit, uh, which is, which is sort of like what, I mean, Hyde himself is like the product of this rich dude who like, you know, kind of had too much yeah. free time and like, and me. Um, but then also like, so I I do think like the the way that the women are described in those, in those, those terms, uh, uh, what, what was the, what was the exact, uh, that harpies, is that the term that you, I think that he says, he does say harpy. Yeah. That they're, that they're like, right. So, you know, uh, the, 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 they, the, 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 the crowd's response to, Hyde has been to like be you know kind of this this threat of like mob violence that's happening even if it is kind of like restorative sort of ju- uh, in, in a justice sense that again it's like the actions of a rich dude that that serve to right. bring this forward right like mm-hmm. like the well and what is it isn't that there's this other wrinkle there which is like it's the good guy's money that solves or the rich guy's money that yeah. solves the problem yeah. Yeah. of the poor guy or. <sighs> However we want to think about Hyde, that's like a weird complication where it's like, he's only made into the impoverished by being a category of person Mm -hmm. that's like small and ugly. Yeah. Yes, because Hyde, even though his money is not 
his money, Hyde is not poor. No. Because what he says is, I am naturally helpless. No gentleman but wishes to avoid a scene. Mm -hmm. Name Mm -hmm. your figure. Mm -hmm. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, so I I don't know. I I do like that. that, We've said it a few times, but I like that to me is like kind of one of the most interesting aspects of this novel is rooting corrupt or like not necessarily rooting corruption in 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 the upper class but that it's that it is not like the corruption is not coming economically from below um Mm -hmm. that yeah i don't even think it's corruption from neither above nor below just so much as like that the condition of being a person is about being corrupted Yes. That's yeah. a problem about being a person and not a problem about being like a moneyed or impoverished person. Right. I think, right? Like, yeah, I think I that, again, this is the like alienist and then psychologist problem is that like, no, 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 it's not about like, are you a rich dude? And here's yeah. one way we see this. So all these rich guys are like, I think that Hyde is gross. Mm-hmm. And all of the servants are like have the exact same reaction. Right. Totally. Like, right. Yeah. I think Hyde is gross. And some people are like, oh, well, I can t-, you know, you can sort of discern the that Jekyll and Hyde are the same if you look at their handwriting or something. But yeah, everybody has right. this knowledge of yeah. something being wrong with Hyde. It's not like it's not like, oh, only the fancy doctor can see that yeah. this is a person to have a reaction to. Right. Right. Yeah. Or that he goes and like parties with like the poor when he turns. Like he did like every one kind of sees him as a uh, as 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 deviant in some way, yeah. And this mm-hmm. is the the where this aligns like actually really beautifully with Freud's conception, which is like the ego is not actually very constitutive. Mm-hmm. Right. That like the ego as the I, mm-hmm. the thing that is what you think of as being like the thing that makes you you. Right. 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 Not Henry Jekyll as super ego keeping the id tamped down but just henry jekyll as person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is like not very distinctive it doesn't distinguish him from anybody else because he's a person right and just like being a person means that you're like performing ego most of the time to the outside world but then if you fall asleep Mm-hmm. And you're visited by your unconscious, then you turn back into the physical version of like creepy tiny man, and then right. he just has to be tiny because like Henry Jekyll is mostly like a very good person with a robust super ego who keeps him under command. Mm-hmm. 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 There's also like not to be real Charles Brockton Brown hours, but like Charles <laughs> Brockton Brown has this story called the Somnambulist, and it is about this very real fear that people had about oh, what might I do? It's it's like the ambient thing, you know? It's just like, yeah. oh, I might... Uh, the, the murderer in that is is somebody who's sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what do you do when, in fact, you have some bit of yourself that is not accessible or understandable to you that might go do something that wakey-wakey times you would never do? Right. So allegedly. is this like a version... This is going to be like the very sort of like flattened version of Locke. But is this like what happens when Locke does a thought experiment about like, what if you become alien to yourself in some way? And then people are like, no, no, that's a real thing that is about us as people. Because Locke is speaking in the abstract always, at least for me as a reader, as like a very sort of non-expert reader. Yeah. Though he's 
so he is speaking in the abstract, but he's actually sort of in a way, and everyone correct me if I'm wrong, but not via email, just with your thoughts quietly <laughs> yourself. Um, Locke, when he talks about stuff, he thinks that he understands the person and something universal. And so when he talks about like John Q sleepwalking man, mm-hmm. He's talking about anybody who has the particular, who has absorbed the particular kind of sensations uh, and sensory disruptions that a person might. Right, right. And that's the, that's the terms of the liberal subject. Yeah, right. Because I mean, I think that is that like that, that, that one of those terms is that like, we're all discrete individuals, but at the same time, like all of us are the same, like, uh, like the, 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 the the conditions of what that means are the same for all, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like there are like material, like material conditions don't ultimately, uh, really affect. Except brown people. Right. Yes. Exactly. Sorry. Just like no, we no, just no, no, have no. to signpost that lock thing. That's like mm, yes. Yes. Let's yes. just remember. Yes. yes. And, and and women. That, yes. The, oh, yes, interesting. Exactly. He, he's talking about he's talking about John Q. Person, and to him, person is white guy. Right. And yeah. And 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 that and and that and that that you know that that is why you know it is it is very right to get pissed off at like philosophers and stuff that want to and this is not all philosophers but that want to like <laughs> posit like the abstract as this like that 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 want to deny like material condition because the thing is like the denial of material conditions importance has always been embedded in whiteness in the west the, Absolutely. like the, the white mm-hmm. the white man is the abstract universal and like the woman or the brown person is particularized and subject to material conditions so when you posit that material conditions don't actually matter when it comes to individual you are participating very much Mm -hmm. in that in that in that trajectory and i will note despite the sort of like popular conception this is actually not true of freud is that he thinks that women are determined both by interiority but also by material treatment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when he Mm -hmm. talks about hysteria he's talking not just about like a problem of of like the gate didn't swing closed at the right moment when you were five and and daddy mistreated you. He's talking about like, or wandering womb. He's talking about like the way that women are treated. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Uh, Not, and not to be a lock apologist, but there is a way that you can do, you can do a Lockean epistemology, uh, a materialist reading, uh, uh, like, yeah, you could like, cause, Locke doesn't deny that your material conditions sh- and shape the sensations that mm. you receive, mm-hmm. which then uh, shapes like what fills your understanding, which which is the basis for your reason, for your passions, mm-hmm. for right. everything else. And so it's it's this it's everything funnels through. And so the funnel of the sensation uh, is is sort of like universal in a way like we have this like we have this model right but um and so like later you might say like oh well actually like you know women's passions are inflamed by certain things so like they actually have these huge passions like that's a problem but but Locke isn't totally he is a dipshit of his time yeah yes yeah but he's also like I mean I agree with you but I also think that like there are there are certainly 18th century people who are like, no, like black people are reasoned. Yeah. I, I mean, I oh, no, absolutely. Yes. Well, no, no yes. doubt. It, and, and you know, a lot, a lot of, uh, of critics of, of liberal empire have, have shown that like, it is like that concept of this Lockean subject that it, it's not that like, that is not 
incidental or apart from empire it is actually like at the heart oh, yeah. of like what 18th totally. century empire became you know uh, and totally. it's and it's like fundamental and this is like getting back to the stevenson in a way that i think is like a little bit obtuse so forgive me but like he cordons this off right so he's like whether he does this on pur- i don't think he does this on purpose at all i think you would have to set the story in a very different moment mm-hmm. but he he's like well we're just talking about a white Propertyed person, right? Because that's the territory that we're that we that nobody questions that your subjecthood would be like native to you, right? But also like not, and so that's why his version of the other in the form of Hyde has to be like to some degree ex- abstracted. It's the deformed or disabled or minim or small body and that's our way of like reading criminality or whatever but it's not like at least for me as a reader it's not feminized Mm -mm. Mm, no no no, right we're in abstract territory of the other so yeah this is actually helping me work through uh maybe why the novel doesn't do sexy time in a way that we we kind (laughs) of refuses it refuses um and and because uh, yeah i said that originally you know there are early on there is the implication that utterson feels that um that that hyde is blackmailing jekyll but also apparently in early drafts of this uh it was much more insistent on like unnatural appetites and unnatural passions again i'm taking this from from uh robert mcgall's uh is that uh, onanism Yes, that it's either homosexuality or or masturbation. Stevenson gets rid of like pretty much all of that for this, uh, and, and I I mean I don't think it's like so much a question of like oh he feared censorship because there's racy stuff in the late Victorian period, uh, but that like it actually seems that like to me more um, that Stevenson doesn't really want to put a point on what it is that Hyde's crimes are. It it's more criminality in the abstract you know what i mean um uh and that and that again that, that's why we don't we don't other than like okay so like he beats sir <laughs> sir Danvers to uh to death and he he like tramples the child other than that we don't really see much other than we're told like he was like monstrous in some way um and and so that yeah so the like it's it's not it doesn't actually want to be about specific crime and more about like the criminal impulse within the psyche of the abstract human Hmm. Yeah, and so I guess the thing is like also so if if we if we don't make it about sex because if it was about if it were about like just just needing to bang it out, yeah, then um, pres- like m- my hot take is that if Jekyll just got his rocks off, he wouldn't be making hide, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, true. So maybe there's like a kind of like repression is like undergirding all of this. Like, yeah, you know. Because he's like, oh, I can't stand the fact that I like to uh, be jolly and chuckle at times. You right. know, like. Oh, like if- the gaiety of his nature or what, right? So That's wait. his flaw. Yeah. His so only mean- flaw. So wait, is Jekyll's problem that he's a proud boy who won't jack off? Is that what is happening here? Yes, his yep. <laughs> yeah. He keeps it in. It makes him stronger. <laughs> well, he so he has another problem too that he says, which is like he says he's like my problem was that I was a hypocrite, yeah. but I was also actually the most sincere hypocrite that ever lived. He was like he was like picture picture this. You're uh, 19 and you're in an argument with your 27 year old boyfriend who's like <laughs> I'm honest about how much I lie. Yeah. Um. 
but so, it's just, so he's, but it's also like it's just me you know that's my yeah. personality yeah so he yeah so like the problem is that he he says like oh I, i'm a, i'm a hypocrite and i'm like really invested in both parts of my my hypocrisy and so mm-hmm. like that's the problem mm-hmm, too mm-hmm. not just that like i'm in the nicest i like to be funny fun guy right right yeah but if he would just fucking beat off like a normal person we wouldn't yeah. be reading this yeah True. Exactly. That's like, yeah. No, yeah, that, I, yeah, that, that make uh, like, I don't know. So, like, it's so actually, like, <laughs> the the removal of like sort of more overt sexual references maybe just makes it even more about uh, sex, right? <laughs> like, yeah, or like he's too much of a dipshit to have like to have his problem be sexual. Right. He's too boring. Okay, I, right. yeah, I see. Yeah. That that's I mean that's I don't know because like everyone is so deeply deeply boring in this book and it's like it extends to even like the villain yeah. you know yeah like the narrator is so boring that his yeah. friend who loves taking walks with him is yeah. like they, yeah. they just walk in silence yeah oh right yeah, 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 yeah but yeah. he loves that about him right <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> yeah yeah no that right like he's just i uh i love the way that that guy's friendships are described utters its friendships which are like that he does it it's not because he like really likes anyone or they like him he's just like around and there you know, mm-hmm. like he's 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 a he's like a comfortable person to just like sit in silence. With. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like it's like oh, it's like people that are like oh, I adopted a cat and I like yeah. how I can just smile at it and pet yeah. it and like doesn't say anything and yeah. you know he's like a cat with wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, right. so Katie, I think that you have questions for us. I have I have a, a proposal for you. I mentioned that I've been to the Jekyll and Hyde restaurant in New York City. Didn't know it was a thing, but I love that it exists. Yeah. 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 So a lot of other people have been there too, it turns out. <laughs> and and some of them have left Yelp reviews. Excellent. And, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so since we've been talking about psychology, some of them sort of left me with some some questions about psychology that I was wondering if we could kind of tackle and work out together. But I just want to set up the Jekyll and Hyde Club uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with it. Let me just tell you a bit about it from their website. (laughs) Anything can happen at the Jekyll and Hyde Club, New York's only haunted restaurant and bar. Oh, that is bullshit. (laughs) The world famous Jekyll and Hyde Club offers the most unique dining experience in the world. Sure. Yeah. Enjoy continuous live entertainment and spooky special effects. The creatures and memorabilia come to life and interact with you while you enjoy your meal. Encounter bizarre characters such as Claw the Gargoyle, Tobias the Werewolf, Dreadmina the Vampire, or a genuine Egyptian mummy. A genuine Egyptian mummy, okay. Did your dad take you here? Because this sounds like his bag. He absolutely did, and that this was the time he took us to see um, Rent on Broadway with Joey Fatone from NSYNC. There you go. Nice. Because my dad was the coolest man alive. Yeah. Um, witness the incredible reanimation of Frankenstein's monster, or the mysterious transformation of Dr. Jekyll into the horrifying Mr. Hyde. Something unusual happens every 10 minutes at the Jekyll and Hyde Club. (laughs) Sounds like a lovely dinner. Yeah. Interrupting (laughs) your spaghetti and meatballs for a Jekyll and Hyde reenactment. Totally. Our guests are warned. 
Okay. And then people say some nice stuff about it. Like there's a Sphinx, Frankenstein, Gargoyle, and Mummy on the Walls that talk and say funny things. That's in 10 reviews. Uh, if you want to relieve some stress and just go out with friends and have a blast, this is the place to go in eight reviews. You can drink there, right? Like this. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, yeah, yeah. 89 reviews say the entertainment is lots of fun with actors coming to your table and engaging with you. Hello. Excellent. Okay. But some people did not have such a good time, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. And I'm just going to kind of walk you through three of these people. Okay. And I have some questions, and I think we can really dig into it together. So David L. of New York says, this was one of the worst nights of my life. <laughs> going there. <laughs> going there. That. Going there to celebrate my daughter's birthday. Turns out to be no air conditioning in the place and a hundred degree night. And we didn't know and didn't warn us. The management didn't care about this. Not acceptable. Did not offer any apologies. Didn't care my daughter's birthday was ruined. I hope they will answer me and invite me back and make it better a night to forget. (sighs) David, David, David. Okay. The two questions that initially spring to mind are, what's David L's, what's the nature of his relationship with his daughter here? (laughs) Uh, This was one of the worst nights of his life. What are the other worst nights? Yeah, yeah. And why does he want to go back? Yeah. I was wondering, like, are they, they're going to invite him back and give him comps? Yeah. I mean, why do I sympathize with this guy? Because, uh, Katie, I get why you like this place. And, like, you know, <laughs> if I didn't suck as a human, I would I would be into, like, doing things. Um, you know, <laughs> but but I, I just – I don't want actors to come to my fucking table while yeah, I'm eating. Yeah, that sounds nightmarish. And, 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 like, there's no air conditioning. That does kind of sound like it sucks. But I do have to say it's like I, this guy might have, like, some sort of latent masochistic impulse, which I, I hate, like, you know, <laughs> knock yourself out. Not here to, <laughs> not here to, to kink shame at all. But uh, but uh, just because, like, what, yeah, why do you want to go back? Why the fuck do you want to go back? Like – I would not go back to this place after that situation. I'm convinced that this is just like, this is him re the, this is the return of the press repressed from the time he went to medieval times. I could see that though. I have to, I have to say that my experience with my one experience with medieval times, which was on a, uh, a jazz band trip to Myrtle beach when I was like 14, (laughs) I was extremely, my brain is unraveling right now. I was extremely sick with bronchitis when we had to do this. Uh, like I had like 102 degree fever (laughs) and I remember the air conditioning of this arena, uh, where they ended the medieval show by saying, God bless America. America at the end of it, it was oh anyway. Uh, it was like sixty degrees in the place, so it was frozen. It was frozen, so <laughs> the horses could run around comfortably. I assume, uh, right? Uh, they have to do a, quite a bit of exercise. Yeah, we do it all for the horses. I always feel like a, if a actor were to interact with my table, I would feel that like great degree of like French shaman, like proxy embarrassment on their part, mm-hmm, yeah. but also like. Like I have a friend who went on a date with a man who she really liked, who was in Blue Man Group. I swear oh. to God, this is true. Oh, boy, oh boy, oh boy! Yeah. And he had a theater degree, and I was like, "Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you get a job. Like yeah. that's what you got to do, man. Like, yeah, yeah. The people at medieval times are actors whose CV says proficient in horses. 
<laughs> it totally does. Um, but yeah, Meg, I, I, uh, I, I definitely sympathize with the, the kind of competing impulses within my psyche to not be bothered and not have people talk to me uh, while also right. like acknowledging, uh, you, you know, I get that your job requires you to bother me right now and it is not your fault, <laughs> but just please stop. Right, you know? Exactly. <laughs> but don't, don't you want to talk to Dread Mina, the vampire who undoubtedly has big titties? <laughs> well, first of all mina is not a vampire and now now i am like the worst well actually guy <laughs> <laughs> because i'm like have you read the book uh, what about a genuine egyptian mummy Hello? now i kind of want to talk to that person but i still really want to ask them about their cv yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah like what's on your acting resume and did it involve being a mummy yeah <laughs> like i have played a dead body in numerous made for television right movies. and then and then this part of me is like did you go to fucking tish like i bet you went to like <laughs> yeah, best did you go to yale yeah probably <laughs> yeah you know given how many people i know who have phds from like fucking harvard who have jobs like mine yeah (laughs) i think you went to like the fanciest school yeah yeah we're in skull and bones and and now and and i I do feel like acting is definitely another world same thing it's like yes i went to the fanciest acting school in the country and this is what i do you know right and now i'm in blue man group yeah (laughs) which i hope pays you well i don't i mean i have no sense of that yeah so it's the return of the repressed from his medieval times trip and why he wants to go back. I have no fucking idea yeah. because he wants his meal comped. I mean, I would, I would, well, I wouldn't Yelp review. I would email somebody if I had a terrible experience, but still. Yeah. So the second review that I have for you is a composite of two reviews. One is a person from New Jersey and one is a person from New York. And, and this, and this composite character says, We were looking forward to a fun night, yet this is the worst restaurant ever. (laughs) The staff were very node and polite, but the restaurant smelled. The bathroom was gross. My burger was not cooked, and my boyfriend's salmon and clams were undercooked. The alcoholic beverage has, like, no alcohol. Well, Well, I'll pay you not to come here. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So disappointed. And what show? Not scary at all. Good luck and stay away. Very disappointed. Okay. I genuinely would not recommend this place to friends or foes. The only (laughs) reason, the only reason I'm giving this place one star is because of the quote, cat man. (laughs) Cat man. Okay, cat man. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 I mean, take this anywhere you want to, but I want to know is I'll pay you not to come here. Right. <laughs> Will you? Because I'm not there right now. Also, what's the cat man? Yeah, yeah. That, That's the real question. That was the real standout point for me. And and is it like the Broadway musical cats? Was it like mm. the Jellicle cats? Yeah. yeah. Or is it uh is it the HG Wells cat man? Yeah. What's the HG Wells cat man? From, man who's cat from the island of dr moreau where he's making human animal hybrids because oh yeah we're very concerned about biological uh interpenetration yeah. in the late victorian yeah. or early I mean, edwardian period i mean can we read sound. that <laughs> yeah. yes we can yeah, also we should, a terrible yeah. movie of course yeah that does sound pretty rad um 
But yeah, yeah. We're, They're we're, mining a lot of Victorian fiction, which we all yeah. have made clear that we're into. Yeah, or that the, the cat man is, is like, you know, they got just a, <laughs> an actor that got booted from cats. <laughs> and so had to, had to, had to do He's the second that. understudy. Uh, the second, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right, the second <laughs> understudy, so he's got to do something else to make it. To or like, work. what if he's just the second understudy who went out to eat after? Yeah. And it's yeah. like... <laughs> he couldn't stop eat. himself. Yeah. Like, yeah, reviewing one of the other diners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, also, Katie, I'm sorry. I got a little bit distracted in that review because when the person got to the the alcoholic beverage had almost no alcohol in it, I was like, I I, I don't know how you would make it through. That you know, like, no, like no. that. That seems like it. That does seem like a pretty un- unforgivable uh, uh, offense for this guy to play. But isn't that typical of like themed restaurants, which yeah. I haven't been to? It, it's like a thirty. It's like a thirty dollar mixed drink with like almost no actual alcohol in it. Yeah, true. Yep. And so this is funny. Uh, a lot of people have have your concern and Megan's concern too, which is like I don't want to talk to you like a rando. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> people complain a lot about the strength of the drinks and that there's a three dollar entertainment fee on each person. <laughs> so. So the one person says, um, imagine you're on the subway and a random man approaches you to talk about irrelevant Uh, nonsense. That's your entertainment. And you're paying them $3 for it. People are really complaining about a $3 upcharge? Yes. In a theme restaurant where you get charged for everything? Yeah, I know. I mean, that's like- fuck up, No, I agree. It's like, what the fuck did you want? Like- you knowingly went to the Jekyll and Hyde restaurant. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. so it's like my sympathy for I mean, honestly, my sympathy for shitty Yelp reviewers generally is is pretty pretty low. Yeah, they're the worst people on earth. They are the worst people on earth. Uh but 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 like that you would like have that you would have expectations that yeah. could be undercut by your experience here is just like what the fu- we need to talk about you, sir or madam, you know. <laughs> Like, first of all, learn to order a fucking drink. Like, pay your $3, bring your 10-year-old, and don't come, and just, like, shut the fuck up. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Maybe because I used to be a server, am I just like, look, dude, I don't make the fucking rules. I know. Yeah. So, in the interest of time, I'm going to wrap this with a short, uh, relatively chill review from what, in comparison to what happened here. A guy from Brooklyn writes... A big cockroach crawled up my back and onto my shoulder. (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay. The roach almost crawled on my face, but my friends swatted it off. The staff was nice and comped most of our bill. They said this had never happened before. Sure. But we will will definitely never return. Uh Disgusting. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't write a Yelp review because basically like anything short of cholera is never going to convince me to write a Yelp review. No. But I don't think I would go back. No. That, yeah. I would have passed away. Like I'd be writing that from beyond the grave. (laughs) Yeah. I'm one of those people that like I will eat food that's like two weeks beyond the date. Oh uh, God, monster! Oh, God, no. <laughs> I know. I'm Katie, sorry, Katie. I'm with you. I can't. I yeah. Like Christine is trying. Just like he's like, look, you know, the sell by date is not the same thing as when it's actually good or not. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, if, no, if you eat after no, the sell by no. date, you will die. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is a couple on Earth that aligns on this issue. No, I think totally. every couple is composed of some disgusting, like iron stomached monster and one person who's like could you not yeah 
Yeah. One of the most satisfying things that's ever happened to me is when an ex was like, uh, no, this yogurt is still good. Like, it's definitely still good. And I was like, no, please don't eat that. Please don't yeah. eat that. Please don't eat that. And he tried to eat it and, like, immediately almost fucking <laughs> puked because it was, like, cottage cheese. See. No, see, I have limits. It's not like I think it's everything. I certainly won't eat sour milk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's cheese, like, that's the point of cheese. No, that I that is true. I Like, cheese I will Because cheese, you, you can see when cheese is bad. It's like it starts to grow mold. Like, otherwise. Yeah, cut it, it off. Yeah. Uh, there are tendrils of the mold. It gets deep in. I don't, I'm not sure that. Also, that mold isn't going to hurt you. Yeah. Okay, so now we've established that I'm gross, which obviously everybody who listens to the show already knows. Um, <laughs> it's fine. So this has been Better Red Than Dead. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find me on Twitter at Teslasaurus. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Better Red Pod, spelled R-E-A-D. And email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com, but only if it's because you know the secret ingredient in Jekyll's Awesome Drugs. G. Cole. Jekyll's awesome drugs. That's not what he's called. It's <laughs> fucked up. Jekyll. Um, we'll correct in post. God. Our intro song is Left Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo is created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Please rate and review us and subscribe. You love us. We're the best. Um, we finally have Ulysses coming up and we have a series of Halloween episodes that we think are going to be super dope and Tristan will soon make us read Rob Roy. Well, I hope drinking Rob Roy's. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. I am really trying to trust you after the Robinson Crusoe debacle. (laughs) Which Um, you loved. I'm not sure. Uh, All right. Thank you for listening. Three fifty-eight a.m. It is done. I've injected five centiliters of the newly fused formula. Salty, bitter taste stings the gums. Ah, warm in the gullet. A prickling heat spreading strongly through my veins. A light headedness. Slight feeling of euphoria. <laughs> no noticeable behavioral differences. <laughs> now the die is cast. Nothing left to lose. Time alone will prove. My theory's through. I'll show the world. Oh, dear God. Oh, God. What is this? Oh, something is happening. I can't explain. Something inside me. Oh, breathtaking pain. Devours, consumes me, and drives me insane. Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh. Suddenly, uncontrolled. Something is taking hold. Suddenly, agony, filling me, killing me. Oh, suddenly, out of breath. What is this? Is this death?